Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, Beth. Hey, Jenna. How are you? Good. Great. Did you go pray today? Grand. I did. How was it? Well, I'm just... I just love Jesus in the Eucharist. Yeah. It's the only place I want to be. I ran to the chapel this morning. So cool. I just really wanted to be with the Father from the moment I woke up this morning. Oh, I thought you meant you physically ran. I did. Like from the parking lot. (laughs) I thought you meant you ran. Like you got out of your house and started running. I got out of my car and I was walking and I was like, this is not happening fast enough. And I like ran. Oh, so you ran from your car. From my car. Got it. I thought you meant you ran like... From your house to the church. No. I was like, that's a little far. That was misleading when I said I ran. It was just like... That's why I said, did you physically run? I should have said I sprinted from my car to the chapel. Anyway, I just... um, First of all, what? I wish I was there to video you sprinting from your car to the chapel. I woke up this morning and I just felt the father really close. Do you remember a time when you didn't love Jesus like that? Yeah. I mean, I had my conversion of heart in high school and I always like desired love, but I didn't know that was available. I hoped I I heard other people talk about that, but I had so much of my own stuff in the way of receiving that love. So I stayed away or yeah, even if I was there, I couldn't fully receive it. There was so much healing that had to happen in my heart. Like, I really, I I still need to hear from the Lord, like, every day, how much He loves me, and that I'm accepted, you know? So now, I've just learned that that's the place to go, (laughs) that's the place to go, because I need to hear that. I need to, this morning I was just praying, Lord, I want your delight to define me, because He's so delighted by me. Yeah. And that's not, (laughs) that's not, like, my experience of myself, or you know, a human experience that I've had of just being delighted in. I mean, there are glimpses of that. Not to say I'm like this sad sack of a person, but yeah, he's so loving to me. He's so tender. He like really likes me. Yeah. Most people aren't sprinting. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't have said that. No, it's great. I love it. But like, I think that's confusing to think like, why don't I, why don't I desire to sprint? Well, I didn't. Oh, today's the first time I ever sprinted. <laughs> Lots of times I sprinted. There's going to be the all these women lot. now and just you guys, pulling you up to their churches and sprinting. You should try it. Honestly, like the joy that would well up. Think about anybody that you love. We're just getting like picking them up from the airport. That's it. That You're is exactly sprinting it. To them. You, you like, can't wait another wait. second. You the walking is too long. It's too slow. Yeah. Yeah. You just want to be there with this person. You just want to just want to wrap your arms around them. Yeah. It's how I feel when I see my niece and nephews, especially every day when, when they were little. <laughs> yeah, every day. Every day. It's how Beth I feel when I see Gabby. Me when she no, sees seriously. Me. I'm like magnetically drawn <laughs> to the people I love. I like want to be there. But I think the Lord has just given me this freedom. He's teaching me how to be little and uninhibited. That's what a kid would do if they were excited to see their dad, you know? 
That's the response that I felt. Okay. So I hear you say that that's like not your human experience and that you're really embracing that right now. And it reminds me of that Jonathan Helzer quote that you say all the time. Yeah, the enemy points his sword at the place of your greatness. If your greatness is in the Father's arms, then mm. your whole life, the enemy has tried to point the sword away from you oh, being yeah. his daughter. Nobody likes me. Yeah. Nobody loves me. I'm rejected. Like he has spent your whole life trying to prove to you that you're not lovable in that way. And now yes. you're like, F you, Satan. You get it. Yeah. yeah. That's been like the narrative of my life. And recently, praise God for a good, holy, discerning spiritual director. I've really had to work hard to, I am working hard to change this narrative in particular around being single, that I've interpreted my whole adult life being single, even though I desired marriage, desired relationship, I've believed, well, this matches up, you know, I'm not wanted. I'm not yeah. loved. Yeah. I'm not desired. I, nobody likes me. And so with every relationship that doesn't work out, I think, yeah, that's because this thing is true. It's reinforced every time. So there's, I've been doing a lot of work, like trying to rewrite that narrative with the Lord, with my spiritual director, of just trying on different narratives. Like what if that wasn't actually true? What if I am actually likable, lovable, wanted? Yeah. But so often we just take it as face value. You know, what do they call it? Confirmation bias. Like something happens and we're like, oh yeah, well, I knew that was true. I think about that quote a lot with Mike because hmm. I think he is such like a light to me yeah. and he has been for, I think a lot of people in our lives. And I think the evil one just wants him to be held down by anxiety and wants him to be held down by depression or panic attacks. Yeah. Incapacitated. Inhibited. Yeah, so that he can't shine like mm -hmm. he does when he's in it with the Father, when he's in it with the Lord. I just hate the devil. <laughs> yeah. But the, I mean the Lord. You know, the Lord. Um, yeah, there's victory. Think, there's victory. Okay, so all of that being said, you know, the enemy is playing the long game. Yeah. Trying to discourage us, lying to us, what have you. But there's this verse in Genesis 50, 20, that I go back to again and again. Even though you meant harm for me, God meant it for good to achieve this present end, the survival of many people. So this is Joseph. He's basically back with his brothers who sold him into slavery. And he's saying, you know, that was horrible. And the devil intended it for bad. And, and you, my brothers, intended this to harm me. But God multiplies good out of any ploy that the enemy has for our harm. So I think about Mike, I think about even my struggle, you know, God's response isn't just that I would find a new narrative to this thing about being unwanted or unloved, whatever it is. It's not just like, okay, let me just correct your narrative. It's actually that I'm going to multiply hundred thousand fold bless you in the place of that lie or that evil plan. Does that make sense? Yeah. So even if he allows harm, it's because he can bring good out of it and not a single good. Right. Like it says right there, to achieve this present and the survival yeah. of many people. He doesn't just fix the one thing and tie it up in a neat bow. Ultimately, the enemy's going to look at your life and say, I should not, 
I should not have messed with that person. Yeah, don't mess with me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, you also told me something recently about the word restore. Oh yeah, well I've been praying, I've been praying a lot with this concept of double. And there's a verse in Isaiah 61 that says, because their shame was double and disgrace was proclaimed their portion, they will possess a double portion in their own land. Uh, other translations say twofold or double blessing. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. You know, God's word is, is a promise for us personally, but it kept coming up for me, this idea of double. And so I started, I started praying and asking the Lord, what are you restoring to me double? What are, you, what are you twofold blessing me with for the shame that I've experienced? And so in my journal, I made a list of these places that have been real points of pain or narratives of shame or experiences of shame. And I, I literally wrote the word and then I drew an arrow. Like, what are you giving me in excess because of the shame I experienced? And it was unbelievable. You know, I haven't seen all of that yet. You know, that's a big part of it is that the Lord is promising to doubly bless me in these certain ways, but maybe that hasn't been my natural experience, but now that's inflamed my hope and I can say, oh, this is what, what God's doing. Yeah, I did go through that. Yeah, this is where I came from. Yes, that happened, but God is going to use it for good. He's going to doubly bless me, multiply my joy, everlasting joy, and redeem it and restore it to me twofold. Can you give one example? I've talked before a little bit. I mentioned on Teachable Tuesday that, you know, I struggled for many years with pornography and it was just introduced to me at such a young age and embedded very deeply that I believed like this is who I am, that the shame that I experienced as a result of pornography being a part of my life for so many years. And even while I was in ministry, being drawn to that even approaching the sacraments faithfully, desperately, regularly going to confession. I, it was just something I couldn't seem to root out on my own. And that's ultimately true. I couldn't root it out on my own. It took divine intervention a for miracle. that to be a, a true miracle yeah. for that to be rooted out of my life. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mary, for your intercession to finally be freed. And now thinking back on pornography, thinking back on you know that spirit of lust that really drove me in some ways, it feels like a memory. I don't identify with it yeah. the way I used to, but it was there. It was a part of my story for a long time. So that's one thing I wrote in my left column, like pornography. It's like I have a memory of how crippling that shame was. And I said, Lord, what are you going to give me? Because it stole so much from me in those years that I was struggling. The shame was overwhelming. So what do you want to give me? And I started to kind of think with the Lord, like I was trying to help him and brainstorm. Like here, you might want to give me deeper freedom, freedom in other areas of my life. Okay, maybe you want to give me like a ministry of like speaking hope to people in addiction or <laughs> anyway, I was trying to get real creative and tell yeah. the Lord what he could do with the shame. Totally. And he just said to me, love, I'm going to, I'm going to doubly restore love. I'm going to manifold bless you with love in place of this false experience. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. I think for me, and you mentioned a little bit of this, one of those, I think if I were to make a list would be friendships. Hmm. I just have a lot of like weird things that happened to me when I was young and I took them on as my identity. I was different. I, yeah. I stood out. 
a lot of things that happened in secret that caused me a lot of shame. And, and I think if I were to draw the arrow, it would be, it would be blessed is she, it would be women who love me. It would be women who pray for me, who want the best for me, who want heaven for me. That's doubly. It's like pouring over. Yeah. Really beautiful friendships. It's like they replace them. It's like so bright. It like overshadows all of that darkness, Hmm. you know? I just, I guess I just had that visual, but it's like a thousand fold, right? It's not even double, like exactly times two of what you lost. The Lord doesn't say, I saw all of that shame and I'll give you exactly twice as much. I mean, it's an expression. (laughs) It's meant to be an outrageous number to say, I'm going to give you double. And that's it, right? I mean, shame is huge Mm -hmm. and it comes in so many ways. For me, you know, it was around that sexual sin. But there are other ways that shame informs us. For you, it was around friendship. I think it's an often used tool of the enemy. So I think anytime you like look back over your story and you come on like a hot spot with like a lot of shame, I would just ask the Lord, what do you have for me? What do you want to restore there? What do you want to Mm. doubly bless me with? Because shame is not from you. You hate that. You hate... Because what is shame? It's saying, like, I'm wrong. I'm bad. Yeah. I'm not good enough. Different than guilt, which is like, I made a mistake. This is like, I am a mistake. It could become a tell for you in prayer. Like, where have you experienced shame? Oh, okay, that's because God is doing something really special, really incredible. I have a mission there. I have a gift there. I have a calling there. God wants to show me tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousand, whatever his love in that place and, you know, allow him into it. The instinct, I think, is to accept it and to move on. Try Mm -hmm. to just get past the shame. Keep the shame in the dark. Well, I'm just curious how people who are maybe struggling in sexual sin or struggling with a habitual sin of any kind, the devil is just trying to hold them down in that spot. You know, I think one of the biggest ways that he does that is to keep us from confession. I think... But you went to confession. I, I, yeah. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Not by my own strength, not because I wanted to. The habit of confession helped me to know how real grace was Mm. and how badly I needed it. But it was mortifying in the beginning. Yeah. No, I, I guess I agree with that. I remember struggling with chastity. And going to confession and like just being so mortified, like yeah. what you said, just like, I have to keep coming to this and I don't want to. And mm-hmm. I think it's very real, particularly in regards to our sexuality. We don't want to go to confession. And so the enemy, he pours shame on top of shame. Totally. So the thing happened. I did this thing. Yes. Now I think I am this thing and I definitely can't tell anyone or there's going to be even more shame. The shame will crush me. When that's a lie from the pits of hell. Speaking it out, putting light on it is what's going to lift and dispel the shame. Well, and you open yourself up to mercy, which you wouldn't have opened yourself up to if you hadn't gone. No. I found shame did this interesting thing for me. I don't know if this is true for you or anybody else, but I really punished myself because of shame. I thought I don't deserve good things. Shame made me hide. It made me pull back. Made me want to stay small. Yeah. Made me grouchy. It made me really grouchy. Well, you're not free. 
Totally. You're literally enslaved. Totally. And you want to be small. You want to, all of those things. You're like, you're, I can just like imagine like a little person just like, I'm not good enough for, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, even just as like, they can't see how you're moving your body, but yeah. it reminds me of the woman who's like bent over and crippled. Yeah. She's like, she can't stand up straight. There's one translation that says like, she can't stand up straight. Yeah. And that's so true of us. Like we're so hunched over and weighed down by sin and shame. It's like, it's a physical oppression. Yes. Sometimes I think we look at Jesus healing and casting out demons and we think, wow, what was going on back then? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like it was so obvious. They just said like, this person is ill. This person is crippled. This person is what have you. They must be under the oppression of a demonic spirit. Like the two were equated, but now we're like, oh, demon possession, but we're all, sin is bondage. Yes. The enemy sends dark angels, dark spirits to oppress us with lies and with sin. So we're oppressed. That doesn't mean we're all possessed. Everybody calm down. (laughs) You're okay. You have a guardian angel (laughs) who cleanses conversation and ourselves in the blood of Jesus. You know, there's no fear. God is victorious. Jesus is victorious. But there are areas of our life where we're enslaved. Yes. Where we're in bondage, where we're crippled by the weight of that oppression. Yeah, I think I I had always seen this struggle with lust, particularly with pornography. And I just thought it was a behavior. I, I didn't really acknowledge the spiritual dimension of it. I even think that I had kind of seen, you know, by the grace of God, how it was connected to my identity and my desires. But I I went to this Marian conference with my mom. I wouldn't have gone to that on my own, but it was my mom's birthday and she asked me to go. And so we went together and I lined up to pray with this priest, this exorcist priest who was praying over all the people. I mean, like hundreds of people were lined up to just be prayed with, to be ministered to, you know, nothing crazy, just get a blessing. And this priest, when he looked at me, he didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. He was like laying hands on people. And when he walked up to me, he put his hand over my eyes and I knew, I knew I was going to be healed. I think initially I thought, oh my God, everybody's going to know. Everybody's going to know I have a problem with pornography, Mm -hmm. but Praise God, God knew that I needed my eyes to be healed. I needed my mind to be healed, my imagination to be healed. And I, I've i not struggled a day since. Like the temptation of it is gone. And I only share that to say that I, I didn't see the spiritual dimension. I didn't, I didn't. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like I understand now that there was a spirit of pornography that somehow yeah. got on me, a spirit of masturbation, Agreed. a spirit of lust. Yeah. And I needed someone with authority to pray with me. Maybe I got some of your grace. I totally think there's a transference of grace. There's yeah. a transference of freedom. It's just like anytime somebody talks about like freedom in any area, you listening, you it might not be pornography for you, but I'm talking about being free, that there's total freedom in Jesus Christ, 
that sin that is nagging at you, you can be totally free from it. I'm not saying you have to pray, you know, with an exorcist. God can do anything. He could do it through this conversation in Jesus' name. He can bring healing and freedom, but you might not even know it's possible. And so for someone to talk about it and to say, yeah, that happened to me, your faith is increasing. For sure. Like the atmosphere is being impregnated with hope and faith and expectation. It's like your mind opens up to the possibility like, this isn't just talk. Like he heals. He actually physically heals people. He actually still delivers people. There's a possibility for me to be free. You will be free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We don't just have to go on struggling. You know, and I did, I struggled for many years. Like I, I persevered for many years, confession and prayer in the chapel. It feels like a past life. (laughs) Totally. It's unbelievable how different I feel in my physical body because God right ordered my sexuality. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know there was another way. It's all I'd ever known from the time I was a little kid. Yeah. There's a whole spiritual realm at work all the time. And we think it's just us like trudging through, trying to do good, battling our human nature. We don't need to be obsessed with the idea of spiritual warfare or, you know, the enemy's activity. We don't need to give him a lot of attention and fanfare. But we do, as mature Christians, need to acknowledge that that's a reality and that there is an enemy who wants to use everything to harm us. Yeah. But praise God for Jesus Christ that he can and does use absolutely everything for good. I believe this conversation alone, in Jesus' name, people will be free. People will be healed. This might even just be the beginning of the journey of healing for someone. They might say like, I've never confessed this thing. And you're going to go. You're going to go because you don't go alone. It's hard. It's hard the first time, but you, you don't go It's hard go all the times. It's, it is hard. Nobody likes to acknowledge their sinfulness and their failings. Although I'm starting to, I'm starting to love it. <laughs> because of the grace. Yeah. Because the grace is a double restoration. It's not like, here's my sin, God, and you're going to give me exactly the right amount of grace to combat that level. A spoonful of grace (laughs) makes the sin go away. That was really good. I can't believe he just came up with that on the spot. That was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, he's going to like drown it in grace and mercy and love and his presence. He's going to totally overwhelm that place of shame with his love. Flood it. He's going to absolutely flood your wounds. Get those floodlights out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There is freedom. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know if it's like a mindset shift between like, I have to stop. I have to stop doing this. Versus there's freedom. Like behavior modification. Yes. Versus, I don't know what the other word is. Freedom. (laughs) Besides just continuing to say freedom. (laughs) But that's really it. Yeah. Yeah, I tried for many years. To just stop. Just stop. Yeah, just need to stop. Even like... I can't stop. 
Yeah. Even trying to like change my environment or, you know, like stop watching shows or reading certain things or what, you know, things that like triggered me, if you will. Yeah. It wasn't enough. The only thing that healed me was Jesus Christ. There's no doing this on our own. I once heard on, honestly, I was like flipping channels and it was like some preacher being interviewed. Yeah. And he was talking about evangelization and he said, um, you know, you don't have to clean the fish before you catch it. Mm. Like the fish is caught first. Mm-hmm. It was so cool. You don't have to figure everything out and fix it to come and, and to receive love. Mm. You don't have to be lovable in the way that you think would make you lovable. You just allow yourself to be caught and help he'll clean you up. He'll dust you off, put you back on your feet. Well, fish don't have feet, but you knew what I meant. I did. I became a human in the analogy eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Should we pray? Please. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to breathe life and hope and freedom, especially freedom from addiction, into our hearts right now. I ask you, Lord, to get down in the dirt with us and to root out sin. Would you just lovingly open our eyes to those roots? But would you do the work for us, God? And would you give us the grace to go to confession, the grace to share our struggles? Would you right now protect our hope Protect the hope that this conversation has uh, expanded in our hearts. And would you bring your perfect and gracious will to fruition. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I just felt like I needed to share that I too struggled with pornography. Yeah. For a lot of years since mm-hmm. I was a kid. And that I'm healed in Jesus' name. All glory to God. There's not one ounce of me that is held down by that anymore. <laughs> so that is for you too, friend, listening. All glory to God. Mm. All right, guys. See you later. <laughs> for your light conversation for the day. <laughs> Talk soon. Bye. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.